Greetings, everybody. In the name of the Lord, I am Pastor Ron Russell, and it is my joy to invite you to come into the sanctuary this afternoon and join us for Resurrection Camp Meeting 2021. We are so excited about what God is getting ready to do in this season and this time of special meeting. We are so delighted that you're taking the time and joining us. So won't you come go with me right now as we go into the sanctuary, as we worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and we prepare for the word of the Lord that's going to come from those that God has sent our way for this time. God bless you. Let's worship the risen Savior together. Thank you, Pastor. God bless you all. It's so good to be with you again in 2021. Boy, it's been a ride, ain't it? I don't think, when was the last time we was here, Pastor? Do you remember when the last time we was here? Was it 19? I think it was, okay, February of last year. I'm a pastor, I understand. But anyway, it's, it's good to be back. God bless you. Looking so forward to being with you. We've been looking so forward to being with you. Had a wonderful day. Your pastor was telling me about your all service yesterday. We had a wonderful day yesterday. Man, what a season celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The Lord said, I am he who was once dead. Now I am alive and I shall live forevermore. Aren't you glad he only had to die one time to cleanse us from our sins and to give us the promise of that hope in heaven? Amen. As, as Pastor said, my, my lovely wife will be ministering for you tomorrow night. And see, whenever, you know, for years, for, for years, I traveled by myself. And I'd, I'd bring one of, the, one of my staff members with me. And, and now, y'all remember the movie Driving Miss Daisy? Well, now I'm driving Miss Dana. You know, I, I, I told her dad yesterday after church, she cooked a big Easter dinner, man. I mean, listen, it was incredible. And we're sitting there. I said, I said no, Pap. I said, I, I think a lot of these pastors now, they just feel sorry for me. And so they feel obligated to ask me to preach, and they're really wanting her. You know? <laughs> uh, he said, probably, son, probably. But thank you, Pastor and the First Lady. So good to see you, and thank you for allowing us to be with you again. It's always so good to see Sister Vonda. I met her at the airport in Newark, New Jersey, on our way to Israel, and she has been such a blessing, such a blessing to me and my wife. That was in 2009. Amen. And we we went last year and had a great time, but uh, we, we, we want to be a blessing to you tonight, and uh, uh, I want you to go in your Bibles with me tonight to the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. The book of 2 Kings chapter 4, and, and I am going to preach a message, and I don't know what... what channel of ministry that we're going to be operating in tonight, whether it be preaching, teaching, prophesying, whatever the Lord would have us to do is what we will do. Hallelujah. But I told, I told uh, my church that, that I've been blessed to pastor for 28 years, about a month ago, and you know, we're getting geared up for Easter, and you know, last year we got robbed, the church, 
I believe the church got robbed of the greatest evangelistic day of the year. And of course, I know, you know, we was, we was out of our building last year for 13 weeks. We was out of our building for 13 weeks. I don't know how many you all may have been out, but we was out for 13 weeks. We, had a, we was right in the middle of a Holy Ghost revival. We felt unction of God to go into revival, and we did, and had 35 people get saved in a few days, and in the midst of that, an outbreak took place in our church. And uh, we was shut down for 13 weeks, and 10 of those 13, we was preached on the back of a flatbed gooseneck trailer in the parking lot to a bunch of cars with an FM transmitter. And, but it was good. It was good. And in the midst of it all, it was good. But we've been back since October, and, and God has been doing amazing things. But the enemy's plan was to muzzle the mouth of ministry. I'm going to say that again. The enemy has a plan to muzzle the mouth of men and women of God. Oh, how he wants to shut the church up. He longs, he longs to close down the church. He longs to shut up the body of Christ, but he won't. He can't. He will never win. And uh, so about a month ago, we're in staff meeting, and, and, and my wife, she said, she said, what are we going to do about Easter? I said, we're going to preach, glory to God. We're going to have, we're going to have Easter. And she said, I think we need to get a tent. I said, a tent for Easter? I said, no. She said, we need to get a tent. So we got a tent. And uh, 210 feet long, 60 feet wide, the largest tent this tent company had. And by the grace of God, there was over 900 people came under that tent. 39 people got saved. It was, abs- it, it, it was without a doubt. Pastor, it was without a doubt the greatest service, the greatest service that I've ever been in in my life. And it, it even humbles me that he allowed us to be a part of it. It was amazing. The presence of God was amazing. Lives were changed and families were mended and healed and, 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 it, and it was awesome. But here tonight on this resurrection camp meeting, may God bless you. May he open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon your pastor and the first lady and the leadership of this ministry. And may the glory of the latter house be greater than that of the former. May there be an increase of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And pastor, I've, I've never heard you preach. I don't, I don't know what the atmosphere of this house is like, but it may be treetop tall, but I'm, I'm believing God for an increase in the anointing, increase in influence, greater favor in the city and greater favor in the field. I feel the Holy Ghost. Listen to me. That which the enemy has meant to tear us down, God is going to use to launch us. I believe that. You be encouraged. You be encouraged. You know that God is for you. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Amen? Hallelujah. In the book of 2 Kings, I'm going to be reading from chapter 4, starting in verse 1, and we're going to go through... Let's, let's, let's attempt to go through verse 7. 2 Kings chapter 4, starting with verse 1. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take my 
two sons to be bondmen. Now, as I'm reading this, this account, I'm, I'm reading a story of a lady that has a certain level of desperation in her voice. She's talking to the man of God, and she's saying, listen, my husband's dead. You know my husband's dead, but you know my husband loved God. Never underestimate, never underestimate a life that's been faithful to God. Even though they may no longer be on this people planet, never underestimate a life that has been lived that was pleasing unto the Lord. Never overlook a godly legacy. Never overlook a godly impartation. And that's what this woman was saying. You know that my husband loved God. You know he feared God. You know they knew who he was when he walked through the gates of that city. They said, there comes the man of God. They knew who he was. And man of God, I'm, I'm, I'm desperate. And in our spirits, I know I, I pastor over a thousand people. And my wife and I, we have, we have encountered more desperate people in the past year than we've encountered in the past 28. This little lady was desperate. And then Elisha said unto her, what shall I do for you? I, I wonder tonight if, if I could hand this microphone to every person in this building, and I would say, what can God do for you? I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that there are hearts and lives in this building tonight that you would begin to express what you need for God to do for you tonight. There are some marriages in this house that you would share with God. God, I need a miracle in my marriage. God, I've got a son that's an alcoholic, and I need you to move in the life of my son. I've got a daughter with track marks up and down her arms, and God, I'm needing you to move in the life of my daughter. The man of God asked the woman, what can I do for you? If God was to ask you in this tabernacle tonight, what can I do for you? Here's what you need to be doing even as I'm speaking on this platform. You need to be telling God what he needs, what you need for him to do for you. Because the Bible says God shall, he shall, as you said earlier, not might, but God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. What do you need God to do for you tonight? Oh, this is not just a series of services, Pastor. My God, we need a transformation. I mean, we need an encounter of heaven to manifest in this tabernacle that it's not like it used to be. It will never be like it used to be. I don't want it to be like it used to be. I don't want to see it like I used to see it. I'm believing God for a next rim, a next level, a new dimension of the power of God in the house of God. The man of God asked her, what do you need me to do? Oh, what do you need me to do? What is it that you're needing in your life? What kind of breakthrough, as that song was saying a moment ago, do you need in your life tonight? If you came here tonight, I want, I want to charge you. If you came here tonight for just another status quo, mundane, religious, Pentecostal, charismatic, run, jump, shout service, I pray you get disappointed. Now, what do you mean, preacher? Not disappointed in God, disappointed in your expectation. Because if our expectation is anything less than that which God desires for this assembly tonight, God mess me up, wreck me, Lord. God said, 
to the man of God, what, what shall I do for you? He said, tell me, what, oh God, what do you have in your house? I want to ask us tonight. What's in your house? I'm not talking about the building you live in. I'm talking about that body you carried in this building. What is it that's in your house? We're believing God for a breakthrough. Now I'm going to ask God to shine a spotlight in our spirit. What is it that we have in this house? Do we have anticipation? Do we have expectancy? Or do we have idolatry? Or do we have filth? Or do we have sin? Do we have prayer? Or do we have problems? Do we have faith? Or do we have doubt? What is it that's in your house? God, what's... God, what's in your house? He's saying, what's in your house? And you know what? Regardless of what you brought in this house, God is a God of transformation. He will save. He will deliver. He will forgive. He will set free because he is a God that longs to bring wholeness and restoration to your life and to your mind and your thought process. And that which the world cannot do is what God specializes in. He asked the woman, what do you have in your house? Oh, my God, this is going to get good. What is it you have in your house? About five years ago, I'm at church, and I'm praying. I lost my father back in 1986. I got saved on the roof of my house, running from the law, January 1986. In August of 1986, my father got shot and killed. Two weeks after my father got shot and killed, I met a little lady by the name of Darlene Bishop. Didn't believe in women preachers, didn't even like women in the pulpit. He fixed me on that one. Darlene Bishop was preaching one night, and she called me out. I'd never heard of that before. I was born again Southern Baptist. I was like Jerry Clower, a born again Southern Baptist. You know, that's what Jerry said. And she called me out. I'm like, I'd never, I'd never experienced that before. I'd never seen a preacher call somebody out of a pew before and bring him up and then lay hands on him. And that's what she done. And I went to speak it in tongues. I'm like, oh, my God, Mama's going to kill me. And I told Sister Darlene about my dad getting killed. Well, I had some memorabilia from my dad that, 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 I, refused, I, that I refused to let go. And about five years ago, I was at church praying. And the Lord told me there was some stuff in my house. There was some stuff in my house that I had to get rid of. Now, I'm talking about my natural house, not, not the spiritual house. I'm talking about my natural house, my 3,100-square-foot 3, home on Herndon Lane. And I said, God, what is it? He said, go home, I'll show you. I walked upstairs to my man cave where my deer are and my turkey are and my ducks are and my fish are and everything else is. And I looked up on the wall, Pastor, and there was a big Seagram 7 muzzle-loading pistol. It said Seagram 7 on that case. A, a, a solid glass case with a beautiful Seagram 7 muscle loader on there. And I'm like, what's wrong with that? And you see, before I got saved, I had a serious drinking problem. And that thing was in my house for many, many years. And God said, get it out. And I said, God, but that reminds me of my daddy. God said, get it out. And I took that thing off the wall. I threw it in the garbage can, tears falling down my face because it did not represent my heavenly father. It represented my earthly father. And anything, anything that goes against God must be rid of.
And I'm thinking, what is it in your house? Tell me, what is it you have in your house? And she said, thine handmaid has nothing, not anything in the house. Oh, my God, it's going to get good. I don't have anything in my house. My house is empty. I've used everything that I have. But wait a minute. What is it you have in your house? Nothing. I don't, she said, I don't have anything in my house except a little pot of oil. And the man of God said, go, borrow some vessels and bring all the neighbors and empty vessels and borrow not a few. And when you come in, thou shalt open the door, close the door, and thou shalt upon thy sons and shalt pour out into all those vessels and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and she shut the door upon her sons and brought the vessels unto her and poured out. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me yet another vessel. And he said unto her, there's not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Notice verse 6, and the oil stayed. You know, Jesus said, I'll never leave you, but I will stay. In the midst of trials, I'll never leave you, but I'll stay. In the midst of a pandemic, people might leave you, but I'll never leave you. In the midst of turmoil, people might leave you, but I'll never leave you. In the mountain, there I'll be. In the valley, there will I be. In the fire, there I will be. In the storm, there will I be. And the oil stayed. I begin to think about when she said, I have nothing. I have nothing. Hey, baby, bring me that bottle of water, please. I have nothing except, hey, thank you. I have nothing except a little oil. Now, we all know the cliche, little is much when what? She said, I've got nothing except a little bit of oil. You know what, saints of God? There are many people in the kingdom right now that have that mindset. I've lost everything. I've lost my job. I'm on food stamps. I'm drawing unemployment. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't have anything. But let me share something with you, friend. If you're a born-again child of God, there's something in you that money cannot buy. There's something in you that a stimulus check cannot enhance if you're saved. And that little bit of oil, you may not feel very anointed, but if you've got that little bit of oil, you might not feel very saved, but if you've got that little bit of oil down deep inside you gotta get some empty vessels but wait a minute I've got just a little go get some empty vessels oh my god go get some empty vessels and don't get just a few get as many as you can go to your neighbors Go to the highways and go to the hedges and compel them that they might come in. And the Bible said they went and they brought them in. And they poured. And they poured. And they poured. And they poured until 
There was no more to pour, no, no more vessels to pour into. And the Bible said the oil stayed. Pastor, I've come with a word tonight. I've come with a divine mandate down low tonight. Regardless of what the world throws, I'm talking to the church. I'm talking about the church. Regardless of what the world throws at the church, greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And if God be for us, who can be against us? There are times... There are times in ministry. There are times in life. There are times in Christianity that it doesn't feel like we have very much. Back in the middle of August, my wife and I, we was laying in bed. She cried herself to sleep two nights in a row. And my wife's pain tolerance is through the roof. I mean, listen. If, I'm, if she's at a 10, I'm at a 1. If I'm at a 1, she's at a 10. And I'm like, baby, what's the matter with you? She said, Mark, I'm hurting. She said, my bones hurt. My muscles hurt. She said, my scalp even hurts. My head hurts. I said, I'm sorry, baby. I done felt like I'd been hit by a Mack truck. I reached over, laid my hands on her, and prayed for her the best that I could, and me felt like I was dying anyway. And laying there, that spirit, that spirit of the Antichrist, my God, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost, that spirit of depression, and that spirit of anxiety, and that spirit of doubt, and that spirit of question came in. What's going to happen to it now? preacher what's going to happen to your church now the New York Times is calling you Chicago Tribune is calling you Lexington Kentucky's calling you Chicago's calling you they've got your number they know what they're going to do they're going to shut you down but then something begins to rise up in me even though my natural man even though my natural man was hurting it was I'll be lying to you it was scary and Dana looked at me with her feeling like a dog she said who do you trust in I'm like well I guess I can depend on you for some compassion <laughs> she said what about, what about that God that you preach about? Where's he at? And I'm looking at her like, my God, whose side you on? And I said, he's right here. And man, I felt the Spirit of God begin to turn within me. Even though I felt like I'd been hit by a Mack truck, I'm laying and I begin to pray. And I begin to pray. Here's the thing, I forgot. I forgot who was in my house. Even though I didn't feel very anointed. Even though I didn't feel very preachery. Even though I didn't feel very charismatic and Pentecostal. My God, there's a fire down deep inside of me that the Holy Ghost blew on. I've come to tell you tonight, if I was to give this title a message... A message, and you guys are on it. Don't overlook what's left. I don't have much. I don't have much. What do you have? Nothing. She said, I've got nothing. Save. I don't have any people. I don't have a husband. I've lost, oh God, I've lost my authority. I've lost my chain of command. I don't know what to do. I don't have anything. Save. A little pot of oil. You see, 
What you and I categorize of no value, what you and I categorize so little, what you and I categorize. Hey, Pastor, 33%, 33% of the evangelical churches in America will never reopen. 33 out of 100. One of our greatest young men in our community, pastors, a wonderful church. Before the pandemic hit, he was running 80, 90 people, a wonderful young couple. He's contacting me, Pastor. I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I'm running 30, 40 people now. I can't pay the bills. I had to go back to work. I said, Brother, you fight the good fight of faith and know that God is on your side. If you've got to go back to work, you do what you've got to do. But you know God has not changed. And that calling has not changed. And that mandate has not changed. And simply what's happened is the spirit of the Antichrist has creeped in and tried to discourage the body of Christ. But I've come by tonight with a divine download from heaven. Somebody in this house needs to know, don't overlook what's left. It may appear to be little. It may appear to be little. It may appear to be little. Your church may not be as big as the other churches. Your ministry may not be on nine different worldwide broadcast. That's okay. You do what God's called you to do, and you let everybody else do what they're called to do. I'm not called to be Pastor Ron, and he's not called to be Pastor Mark. Father's not called to be Dana. Dana's not called to be Vonda. But I refuse to walk in any else than that which God called me. And it may not appear to be much. My God, it may not appear to be much, but I'm going to tell you it is more than enough. Go get me some vessels. And borrow not a few. In other words, get as many as you can. Okay, here we go. I'm going to use some of you. Everybody look at me. And I need you to respond promptly. <laughs> I ain't got this written down or rehearsed. You ready? You ready? What's your name? Who? Alicia, I'm going to start with you. Okay? I need you to come stand right here. I need you to move now. And not tomorrow. There you go, baby. You. 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 Come stand right here. Come on. Come in. Just, just line up up here. Yeah. Just line up right here. Borrow not a few. You, you, you. Borrow not a few. I don't have much. The world may not categorize what I have as much. The world may not think what I have is of any value. But what I'm fixing to pour into you, the world can't buy with, with money. I'm telling you, you see what is in us. The world cannot. You cannot get this at Walmart. And what I don't, what I have, it may not look like much to this world. He said, borrow not a few. Go get me some vessels. Now, I'm going to pretend you're empty. I know you're not empty. I'm going to speak blessing over you. I know you're full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. I know you're full of rhema word. I know you're full of logos word. I know you're full of expectancy and faith. I know you're full of gifts and callings of God. But I'm going to pretend you're empty. Now, I promise I'll try not to spit on you. Is this your bottle, Pastor? I'm going to use it, okay? 
cross. I'm not going to pour on But you see, we've been through a storm. We've been through a season. We've been through a chapter. We've been through a pandemic. Saints of God, I'm telling you, we do this every day of our life. There's people that are empty. There are people that are broken. There are people that are discouraged. There are people that are depressed. I've got some pastor friends that aren't pastoring right now because they're depressed. And they don't know what to do. They don't know how their churches are going to make it. Oh, my God. When the world comes crashing in, God is still on his throne. And it may not appear like you have much. It may appear that you've got just a little. But it only takes a little, a little faith, a little anointing, a little prayer, a little word, a little works, a little preaching, a little teaching, and a little praise to get something going. You see, this is all we got left. And I've only got a little to pour into you. Here all these empty vessels was. And they begin to pour. Don't worry. <laughs> she looked up like, oh God. <laughs> that vessel got full. But this vessel never got empty. That vessel got full. This vessel never got empty. That vessel got full. This vessel never got empty. That vessel got full. This vessel never got empty. Full. Full, full, until there was no more vessels. Then he said, go sell what you have. But I want to tell you something. I want to give you a word. You're not for sale. You're not for sale. Your convictions aren't for sale. Your purity is not for sale. Your virginity is not for sale. Your character, your integrity, your testimony is not for sale. And it may appear that you don't have much, but you let me tell you something. You may not have, but, well, but what you do have, the world is longing for. Down deep in their spirit, man, they're crying their self asleep in the middle of the night knowing they long what you have. They make fun of you and they make fun of you now. But when they're home at night crying themselves asleep on a pillow, they long to have what you have. It may appear that you you don't have much but the world longs to have what you have you ain't for sale your ministry's not for sale for compromise and popularity and a big name in the magazines you are vessels of honor and not dishonor Honor God with your character. Honor God with your integrity. Honor God with your conviction. Honor God with your service. Honor God with your praise. Honor God with your singing. Honor God with your preaching. Honor God with your gift. My God, somebody give him praise in this house. Thank you all. I don't have much. But I do have a little oil. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I may not have a big church, but I got a little oil. I may not be on TBN, INSP, or Daystar, but I do have a little oil. I may have never flown around this globe preaching the gospel to people that can't understand me. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. But I do have a little oil. 
I'm going to transfer that word from oil into the anointing. I may not have a big church, but I do have a little anointing. I may not travel the world preaching the gospel, but I do have a little anointing. And let me tell you something about that little bit of anointing. It only takes a little bit of anointing to make an axe head swim. It only takes a little bit of anointing to grab the jawbone of an ass and slay 1,000 Philistines. It only takes a little bit of anointing to stand around an altar with 450 pagan prophets and God created a great victory in and through you don't overlook what's left we got to the motel and I'm looking for my sweat rag I forgot my sweat rag so I stole the wash rag from the motel but I'll take it back we pulled up in the parking lot. I said, baby, I got to cut this tag off this wash rag. It looked like it come from Home Goods or something or another. I'm thinking, you know what, God? Even if it appears to be little. Even if it appears to be little. Now, there's a point that I want to make. Saints of God, listen. There's a point that I want to make here. When this little woman, Pastor, when this little woman realized she was in a terrible situation, I want you to listen. Clergy. Clergy is at an all-time low when it comes to respect. When it comes to honor. When it comes to honoring the man or honoring the woman of God. It's almost become a thing of the past. And that's not right. The Bible says a man or a woman of God that pours into the flock of God is worthy of double honor. Double honor. It didn't say the man and the woman of God walk on water or wear wings and halos. That's not what the Bible says. There are people just like you and people just like me. They're not perfect, but they're serving a perfect God and pushing through trying troubled times. But here's what the woman of God done. Now, I've seen y'all take your notes. Write this down. In the midst of this trying time, the woman knew where to go when she didn't know what to do. The woman knew where to go when she did not know what to do. Do you realize we're living in an hour that a lot of people still don't know what to do? There are business owners that don't know what to do. There are ministers that don't know what to do. There are moms and dads that don't know what to do. There are families that don't know what to do. This woman did not know what to do, but she knew where to go when she did not know what to do. And where did she go? She went to the man of God. She went to the man of God. Thank God we still have some men and women that will weep between the porch and the altar. Thank God we still have some men and women that trust God for a download and for a word. Thank God for men and women that will pray all night long until they hear from God. She went to the man of God. She didn't go to one 900 psychic. She didn't go to another preacher. She didn't go to another religion, another doctrine, another organization. She went to the man of God, and the man of God said, What will you have me do? I'm going to repeat myself. God is saying to some of you tonight, What will you have me to do? 
Hallelujah. God is saying, what will you have me to do? What do you need him to do tonight? Hey, pastor, yesterday morning, there was a man under that tent. And there were so many people, I didn't even see him. I didn't even know he was there. And several years ago, his, his youngest daughter come down with breast cancer, had a double mastectomy. And she's probably mid-30s, mid-late 30s. I've been her pastor since she was 15. And when she was going through that, that sickness, her daddy come to church with her. And remember in the Bible when Jesus called Peter and Andrew and said, fellows, follow me, and I'll make you what? Fishers of men. Well, this guy loves to fish, and I knew he loved to fish. I love to fish. So that makes me and him cool. We like to fish. And that morning I'm up there preaching. And I, I'm pulling everything in the tackle box out. I'm throwing topwater bait. I'm throwing crankbait. I'm throwing plastic worms. I'm throwing live bait. I'm throwing empty hooks. Just hoping to catch this guy. He sat back there in that congregation. His arms crossed. I like a flint. That's been six, eight years ago. Well, yesterday morning, he was under that tent. I had no idea that man was even there. The altar was filling up. There was, there was 50, 60 people in the altar. Those that are getting saved and family members coming with them. And I'm up, I'm up on the platform, and I'm, I'm, I'm conducting that altar service. And I hear this weeping and this mourning and this crying. And I look to my right. Here comes a wife. Here comes two adult daughters. Here comes three or four grandkids. And there that man was in the midst of that family, crying uncontrollably. You know why? Because for 62 years of his life, he didn't know where to go when he knew he needed something. But yesterday morning under that tent when the Holy Ghost was hovering under that 12,000 square foot tent, it gripped his heart. He come around that corner. He stood in that altar. He looked at me with tears flowing out of his eyes. Big long mustache and beard. A man's man. But he was broke. He was broke by the Spirit of God. For all of these years, he did not know where to go when he did not know what to do but yesterday morning he was introduced to the savior of the world he was introduced to a friend that's this closer than a brother you see friend listen to me we're living in an hour if you don't know God there's never been a time right now to make things right with God don't overlook what's left she knew where to go when she didn't know what to do. Friend, do you not know what to do? In the midst of trying times, in the midst of troubled times, in the midst of fear and anxiety, problems and troubles, unemployment and sickness, do you not know where to go? Let me tell you where to go. Go the same place this little widow woman went. She went to God. The man of God was not her answer. Hear me. The man of God, the woman of God was not her answer. But the man of God pointed her to the God that was her answer. We are not God. Listen to this picture. We are not God. But we can point you to God. We'll tell you about God. We'll pray for you to God. Knowing that God will answer your prayer. Don't overlook what's left. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Hey, do you know that 
back in August when we was having that revival. It was the last week of July. Half of the high school football team came and got saved. <laughs> they were awesome. Big old little guys. Walked in them skinny jeans. Whoever invented them things. But anyway, walked in wearing them skinny jeans. Some of them didn't qualify to wear skinny jeans, but I'll leave that alone. Man, they come and got saved. Night after night after night, they got saved. The pandemic hit. The outbreak hit. We open back up. Guess how many football players come back? Not one. We called them. We checked on them. The youth pastor checked on them, went, sent letters, called, went to see them. Not one come back. But guess who was back? That little lady that you never knew was in the building. That little couple in their mid-70s that got saved in that revival, sitting right back here in the back row, section five. They were back with a smile on their face. Never made a word, didn't make a big scene, did not make a big splash in the water, but they were there. Hey, listen. Let me tell you what she didn't do. Even though she said, I don't have much, but I do have a little. Now, remember, she knew where to go when she didn't know what to do. Let me tell you what else she done. She did not overlook what was in the house. How many times have we, as church people, overlooked the ones that didn't make a big splash? Overlooked the ones that didn't sing real loud? Overlooked the ones that didn't run, shout, speak in tongues, and prophesy when all the rest of them was running, shouting, speaking, and prophesying? We've overlooked worship leaders that were in the house in pursuit of a worship leader that God did not want in the house. We've overlooked pastors that was in the house because we looked for a pastor that had a bigger name, a little better looking, and a little better preacher. But he didn't love the congregation. I was preaching, it's been several years back now, in eastern Kentucky. And this pastor, pastor, he got up before I preached. He had watched a TV program for years, called us, wanted us to come preach for him. And he got up and opened the service, and I'm thinking, my God, why did you call me? This man preached the steeple off the building. And I'm like, oh, my God, why, why, did, why did you call me? I'm thinking to myself, you are a preacher's preacher. Well, I got up and preached the best I could, and we went to, we went to dinner after church that night. We're sitting there eating, and big tears dwelled up in his eyes. He said, Pastor, I want to ask you a question while you're here. I said, what is it, brother? He said, I love to preach, but I hate the people that I pastor. There were some family members in that congregation that knew he was a good preacher. And they pushed, and they pushed, and they bent, and they pushed, and they pushed until they talked the pulpit committee. You, hey, you show me in the Bible where God created a pulpit committee. Half of them backslid, tobacco chewing, pornographic, watching, cigarette smoking, pulpit committee. Wouldn't know God if he sat in their lap. Oh, but bless God. I ain't going to vote for him. Makes me sick. 
half backslid deacon board, half backslid board of directors, and a half backslid pulpit committee, and two have never been saved. Want to appoint a man of God because, because they overlooked what was in the house. You see this little woman said, I, I, I don't have much, but you see, even though she didn't overlook what she did not overlook what was in the house. And pastor, we as leadership, we as men and women of God, time and time and time again, we've overlooked you. And forgive us. Because we wanted a bigger name and a better looking person when it's you, you're the ones not that you're not good looking and got a good name, but figure speech. And you're the ones that's tithing. You're the one that's praying for the leadership. You're the one that shows up on work day. I'll never forget we hired a worship leader one time because he could sing good. <laughs> he could sing good. We had a work day. He said, oh, pastor, I can't come to the work day. I'm like, why can't you come to the work day? He said, I can't mess up my money makers. I said, what'd you say to me? He said, can't mess up my, my money makers. I said, what, what are you talking about? He said, if I mess these up, I can't play the keyboard. I thought to myself, you hireling, you, you, you antichrist looking hireling. Because we have been so busy of overlooking what's in the house. So guilty of overlooking what's in the house. Now back to verse 2. Back to verse 2. I got to go back to verse 2. When he asked her, she said, I've got nothing in the house save a pot of oil. God forgive us for overlooking what appears to be so little. God overlook us for what's a, what appears to be so insignificant. The ones that don't say much and the ones that don't do much, the ones that aren't very loud. God forgive us. Let me tell you what's happened. Right now, our church is back at about 60% of our congregation before the pandemic hit. <clears throat> We're at about 60% back in our uh, attendance. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that. And I told my wife the other day, I said, you know what, baby? I said, our finances, at the end of March, our finances, 2020 was a record financial year for our ministry. And we was out of the building for 13 weeks. 2020 was a record year for finances in our church. At the end of March, what, five days ago, six days ago, year to date, the end of March, we're already $30,000 ahead of last year. And I told Dana, I said, these are the people that pray for us in the middle of the night. These are the people that are putting money in that offering bag when nobody else does. These are the people that's giving online. These are the little ladies that's weeping between the porch and the altar in the middle of the night when they know the first lady's been attacked by some demon of religion. They're the ones that's pushed us through. They're the Aaron and the Hur that's held us up when the world had no idea what we was dealing with. Because we, we as leadership, we are wired. We are wired 
to look the best and to sound the best, perform the best. God help us lose that performance mindset and ministry without performance. I have nothing, nothing left save a little oil. I, I said all that, and I'm going to say this. The anointing. God, we need the anointing. We need the anointing to preach. I wouldn't give you a dime for a good singer and a fancy dancer without the anointing. I wouldn't give you a nickel for an eloquent speaker or teacher or preacher without the anointing. God, anoint me lest I die because it is the anointing, saints of God. It is the anointing church that destroys the yoke and the bondage of sin. And I believe God is calling us, the church, back to an altar, an altar of prayer with weeping and fasting and mourning and saying, God, God, may the anointing of yesterday invade our services that we don't care who's in the congregation. There's a lady called the other day and said, Sister Dana, my kids are coming to church Sunday morning. I really hope Pastor Mark don't preach like he did on Palm Sunday. I thought to myself, you lying demon of compromise. May God arise and his enemies be scattered. I don't have much left. But what I do have, I give you. Oil, the anointing. Musicians, make your way to the platform. I gotta have the anointing. Singers come. I gotta have the anointing. Preachers, we gotta have the anointing. Teachers, we gotta have the anointing. Mamas, we gotta have the anointing to lay hands on our babies in the middle of the night. Daddies, we gotta have the anointing to lay hands on our wives in the middle of the night. We've got to be anointed. What is it you have left? Not much. But I do have a little oil. It's not how you feel, but it's what you know. It's not how you feel, but it's who you know. Friend, God has called you to win. He's called you to win. But the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us, that the afflictions of the righteous are many, but God shall deliver us from them all. We're in transition of deliverance. Hallelujah. We are in transition of deliverance. The church's greatest hour is just ahead of us. I'm going to say that again. The church's greatest hour is just ahead of us. I want you to stand with me tonight. Friend, don't overlook what's left. You may have lost your job. You may have lost your spouse. You may have lost your income. You may have lost your welfare. You may have lost your food stamps. And you just don't know what to do. What do you have in your house? Inside of you is a giant killer. Inside of you is a world changer. Inside of you is a victor and not a victim. Inside of you is the head and not the tail. The winner and not the loser. The top and not the bottom. The beginning and not the end. That's who's inside of you. And here's my prayer for you tonight. 
Holy Ghost, stir up the gift that is within us. Stir up that gift, oh God, that is within us. Revive our expectancy and our anticipation. Revive our fire. Revive our faith. God, help me. What would you have me do for you? God would say to you, what would you have me do for you? What is it that you need tonight on this Monday night resurrection camp meeting? The Lord says, what's in your house? Pastor, can we open the altar? Here's what I want to ask you to do. If you're here tonight and you're not saved and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to ask you to come. I want to ask you to come and repent of your sins and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You need to come. Repent of your sins and ask the Lord to save you, and he will. If you're saved and you don't know what to do, you know where to go. And his name is Jesus. From the back all the way to the front, I want to ask you, come. Gather around these altars. We're going to pray with you. We're going to help you. But we're going to believe God to continue his work in your life. Come. This altar is open. It's time to pray. Who's going to come? It's time to pray. It's time to pray. Time to pray. You got to know where to go when you don't know what to do. You got to know where to go when you don't know what to do. You got to know where to go, and his name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Come, come, come. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I pray that this service has been a blessing to you. What a powerful time of worship. What a powerful word that was brought forth tonight right here from PTC Ministries in Connersville during Resurrection Camp Meeting. May the Lord just richly bless you. May he just shine brightly upon you, give you blessed peace. Let me just pray a blessing over you tonight, if I may. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for those that have joined us and watched with us. And Lord, I pray that your word has went through the lens of this camera tonight. And I pray that it has been a blessing. Lord, if there's one that doesn't know you, I pray that tonight would be the night that they just surrender. And Lord, I pray for increase. I pray for blessing. I pray for favor to come to their house. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. God bless you. Tune in again, and we'll be sharing the good news of the gospel. God bless. Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Jade Abrams here. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I also want you to connect with us. You can find us on all the social media platforms listed below, and we would love to catch up with you, hear what God has spoke to you, and continue to follow us, and we love you, and God bless you.